Can you hear? Yes, I can. Woo! Okay. Uh, hello. He who I has an ear, let him hear. <laughs> All right. So today I'm being joined by a very special fellow, uh, Ryan Dawson. Uh, he is a journalist who has been covering Israel, human rights, um, billionaires for 20 years of his life. He's been on various stations such as RT, Press TV, and Al Jazeera. Were you on Al Jazeera? I have been on Al Jazeera. I was even on the briefly on the Jon Stewart show. MSNBC? I don't know. It's Comedy Central. Oh, wow. CC. Mm-hmm. He's also uh, written one book and I think co authored another and has re- released multiple films covering um, the crimes of America, Israel, and everything else in between. Did I get everything right there? So, two books and co authored a book and then. Transcripts of interviews that I did with Doug Valentine are in his book, as well as Sean Atwood's book, which I just learned today. <laughs> <laughs> More you know. Okay. Uh, so topics that are going to be discussed are going to be the Israel lobby, the USS Liberty, and if we have time, my favorite, the dancing Israelis. So uh, do you want to <laughs> start us off with the uh, Israel lobby? I mean, either one. I like the dancing Israelis topic the most, but we, we're hey, gonna we save can, the best for laughs, buddy. We can talk about APAC. When you say yeah. the Israel lobby, what they mean is all the lobbies, right? United Israel Appeal, did the Jewish Foundation, blah blah blah. But APAC is sort of the umbrella lobby of all the other lobbies, and APAC used to be the American Zionist Council. I just switched their names around, but same, same uh, people, same agenda. Totally against U.S. interests. It's the most powerful lobby in the United States. Whatever they ask for, they get. Yeah. I was saying earlier, we had the second Iraq war based on lies. Even the Pope came out against it, but the Israeli lobby wanted it, and they got it. And uh, I was listening to one of your streams earlier, and um, I think you might have repeated this, that APAC just pretty much runs the American system as we know it today. Donald Trump admitted that. Yeah, I actually listened to that. Israel, like, owns America, rightfully so, and then the Hamas committee or whatever, uh, they, they, we need Israel to own America again. Yeah, they only, you know... They they only have 453 members instead of all of them. <laughs> yeah, it's it's literally over for Israel. It's it's over. There's so many UN resolutions that the entire world supports, and then the US just uses its veto power to say no by itself. Nope. Mm-hmm. They want to condemn the settlements. The thing is, some some have passed. It is internationally illegal to bulldoze down people's homes and ethnically cleanse them and replace them with the self-proclaimed chosen race of God. But they just do it anyway, and there's no consequence. Yeah. Like, yeah, we're breaking the law, so what? Yeah, so what? You know, we have the most powerful lobby. We have the most powerful government on our side. You know, what can yeah. you do about it? U.S., we say jump, they say off of what? They don't even say how high. They say off of what? U.S. will suicide itself for Israel. Oh, yeah, of course. 
and that's another example of both Iraq wars. They lost trillions of dollars, thousands of lives, totally lost credibility around the world, gained nothing. Oil went to China, lost the oil for food program. Oil went to Israel. They did Which everything to Israel's benefit at the detriment of the United States. Mm. Because that's what APEC asked for. Yeah. And then people who speak out about it, like yourself, are censored and mm -hmm. slandered with so-called experts, um, like through the ADL, uh, Canary Mission, which... Uh, Canary Mission, what a joke. They said I was the head of some organization I've never even heard of. <laughs> I'm like, I don't even live in America, dumbass. I live in Japan. I'm not headed up some organization in Washington, D.C. Yeah, and actually there was a Haaretz expose, which... Uh, commentator Nick Fuentes uh, covered uh, extensively. So the uh, San Francisco Jewish Federation, a Zionist organization based in America, um, <clears throat> funds the uh, Helen Diller Fam Family Foundation, which um, accidentally in their tax records had openly stated that they had $100,000 allotted to be sent to two separate groups, I think both based in Israel, to be sent to Canary Mission. And Canary Mission is a website that um, runs. Just do hit They just do hit pieces on people. Yeah, they do hit pieces, like not even on famous people. Like they do famous people, like again, like Nick Fuentes, yourself, I believe. We're and not famous, famous though, you know. Yeah, right. Just like figures, but they also do like just Palestinian rights activists, like random students. Like mm -hmm. I, I, I was halfway thinking that even I would be on there just because like one Facebook post of mine was anti-Israel. Mm -hmm. So I was thinking they must have found out. Thankfully, they didn't. But, they quoted a no. bunch of my tweets before my Twitter was deleted. And you read them, you're like, there's nothing wrong with that. We're not yes. talking about Jews. We're talking about Zionists, which is Jewish supremacists. We're talking about Israel, which is a country that, yeah. you know, you don't have to be Jewish to live there. You have to be Jewish to live in the West Bank settlement. But, but it's, it's just so stupid to associate a nation with race. I mean, yeah. isn't that what you try to get away from? Right. And I think the most annoying part is... And because people point to Israel like forming as like good for Christianity because it's the end times. But the yeah. thing about that is I don't think Jesus would be supporting a genocidal state. Um, I don't think Christ would be OK with what Israel is doing to the Palestinians. And Israel as a state doesn't need to exist. Israel I don't think Christ would be OK with the Church of Miracles where he performed the miracle of dividing the loaf of bread and fish to the masses to be burned to the ground by fanatic Zionist settlers. Right. Which is what they and, did. Yeah, exactly. So you you, you I mean, mean they the set, they're setting fire to churches in Bethlehem. Yeah, it's disgusting. They set fire to churches, mosques, just awful. Oh, of course, they they destroy the mosque as well. Well, yeah, because like that's enemy number two. But it needs to be presented as enemy number one. I think they are more concerned with Islam now than Christianity, actually. Yeah, Islam in Palestine actually protects Christian traditions. So I'd rather have Muslims controlling that area than, than uh, Zionists. It was hilarious is they had all this propaganda about Aleppo and Syria. Like, this is the last child of Aleppo. This is the last zoo of Aleppo, the last something of Aleppo. We made a spoof like this is the last chair in Aleppo. <laughs> Aleppo was liberated by the Syrian army. And the following day, they had a huge Christmas parade, Christmas trees, Christians out there able to celebrate their religion again because they couldn't under ISIS. Right. 
And they had a giant Christmas tree in Aleppo, like in the town square, and Santa Claus and all that had a nativity scene with Jesus and Mary. And uh, you couldn't do that under ISIS. You could do it under Assad because he is the moderate Muslim. Mm -hmm. Really, the Alawites are like Christian light. I mean, they're Christians that just said, yeah, Muhammad, whatever, because they had to, (laughs) right? (laughs) Yeah, like I, I, I really like that. support Assad just because he's like so great to like the Christians in Syria. It's like which, Episcopalians are just Catholic light. Yeah, yeah, um, and then Alawites are basically Christian. Yeah, so after they had that Christmas celebration, Israel decides, okay, we're gonna do a bit of bombing on that Christmas celebration. Yeah, I mean, well, they tried. Israel's been bombing Syria all year and all last year. They're acting as Al Qaeda's air force, and they're not bombing. HTS on Nusra Front or Al Sham or any of the ISIS Al Qaeda groups, they're bombing Assad forces and Shia militia, which are allied with Assad forces. They're not going after the terrorists. They went around chopping off hands and heads and things. And the most telling thing is every time they use US paid for and built F 15s and F 16s to go blow people up in Syria. Not a single time has this been reported on a single network, not Fox, not CNN, nothing. Mm -hmm. Because, as we know, like Rupert Murdoch is a hardcore Zionist. CNN has Zionists in them. Jeff Zucker is a hardcore Zionist. He might be be worse than Rupert Murdoch. Really? Oh. Murdoch's a right-wing Zionist and Zucker's a left-wing Zionist. I always associate, like, the right with, like, the Christian right with like hardcore Zionism, but that's actually pretty interesting. Well, they are, but uh, I mean, you're not wrong on that. But left wing Zionists, the Zuckers, um, and Zuckerberg, all your big tech, all your leftist media. I mean, Murdoch's basically alone because all the rest of the major media outlets are run by left wing Zionists, and mm-hmm. like Trump's faction with Netanyahu and the Kushners and Trump is sort of that right wing Christian evangel, or whatever. The other side's a lot bigger. The side with Epstein and Wexner and and uh, basically all the media heads are left wing. So they're would you for, say that is that they're for open borders and a little bit more, a little bit more than the right wing is. So they want to destroy everybody. George so Soros is on the left. He's a left wing Zionist. You know. Would you say that the Zionism on the right is the only reason why they're allowed to like be around at all? I mean, they're terrible as well. I'm just saying, right. at least they have some limits. <laughs> Whereas, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's but, not, it's like, not, it's not pick a team. It's like, oh, would you rather have a poo poo sandwich or just a pile of poo? Well, I guess the one with bread's not as bad. You know, it doesn't matter. I mean, they're all horrible. I'm talking about like, take just take like your average conservative. Do you think they're only allowed to like be able to speak openly is because of their Zionism? Do you think that? Is the case? I mean, if you got rid of Fox. It would just be totally left-wing everything, right? Mm. So Murdoch is sort of a counterbalance, but in a very limited faction. Because when it comes to Israel or monetary policy or torture or you know picks them, it's they all they agree on all that, right? They're all pro-Zionist, all pro-Israel. Every single network won't talk about their crime, won't talk about ethnic cleansing, not going to talk about the Fed, not going to talk about any of that. But they do differ on some things like the border. And taxes, a little little nitpicky differences, right? There is yeah. no media 
representing American people. None. None. Nobody tells them what's in their own interest. They don't even know their own history or their own religion. They only tell you what's in APAC's interests. Yeah. I mean, APAC, you know, APAC has a lot of overlap with the military industrial complex, which doesn't, it doesn't really have a, it's not centrally planned. It's a group of profiteers, Lockheed Martin and Boeing and Raytheon, Northrop Grumman, General Dynamics, these giant aerospace companies mostly, and logistic companies, Halliburton, Kellogg, Brown and Brute, that, that kind of Brute, those kind of folks. They make money off of wars, but you make money off of any war. But where are we going to war? The Middle East, Iraq, Libya, Syria. Then we have sanctions on Iran and blockade. And why are we at war in the Middle East? That's because of APAC. But it, they got. It's kind of like no one is going to really fight back too hard because they don't care what the war is. War on terror replaced the Cold War. You're talking about trillions of dollars in expenditures, and Israel's good for business because they, it's composed of fanatic religious lunatics that are very predictably going to have conflicts with all their neighbors, and they do, and always have. And actually, I wanted to. It's a to... pariah state. I mean, like, they just put a bunch of European Jews in the middle of Palestine, called it Israel, and then they go around and start annexing land and demolishing homes with bulldozers. What'd you think was going to happen? Of course, there's a Hamas. But there wasn't gonna... for 35 years. So, what was your excuse the first 45 years of ethnic cleansing? There, every action has a reaction. But I want to get into what you said um, it's good for business. Uh, the Israel lobby also managed to get U.S. to pass um, the fact that if you're if you're a business and you don't support Israel, guess what? You're not getting uh, government help. So you have well, to support Israel. They tried to do that with hurricane relief. Like you couldn't get hurricane relief aid unless you signed a allegiance to Israel. Like what does signing an allegiance to Israel have to do with getting relief from a natural disaster? Please, I'm I'm trying just I'm just trying to sell bagels. I need relief. Oh well, do you support Israel? Oh, oh. What, what 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 does that matter? The Dickerson Texas rejected that. That they they were like, we're not signing this shit. You, I can't get it. I mean, maybe they do support Israel anyway, but you can't make someone sign that. Like it's it's irrelevant to their opinion on Israel and Palestine. Shouldn't have anything to do with whether or not they should be accepted for disaster relief. Right, and so that ultimately failed. Thank God. In that one area, but like they have gotten, they've made it illegal to boycott Israel or they've told people that, but you really can't do that because it's illegal to do that. You can't make someone buy products from somebody. If I don't want to buy them for any reason, I, I don't have to. Right. But you're not allowed to organize a boycott to Israel without, you know, you get, you get kicked out of university. You could lose your job, you know, uh, but since I'm self-employed and already being kicked off all social media, I <laughs> go ahead and su- support the boycott. But it, it's just like a, a moral thing. Cause I don't really buy anything from Israel anyway. But when it comes to BDS, the boycott, divest, and sanction, I don't agree with sanctions, not even to Israel. Because sanctions always just hurt the poor. And they don't really have a voice. Israel's just going to do what it does. Just like America goes to war or whatever even though a lot of people are opposed to it. Divestment's where it's at. Boycott, too, I, I'm kind of, I support it, yeah, unenthusiastically because I feel like it's collective punishment. It's just because there might be some business in Israel that it's fine and just selling oranges or whatever and you got nothing political. You don't really need to boycott that, but 
you know, it's worth it to me. Just boycott them all. Like, well, that'll motivate you to change your neighbor's opinions, what have you. But divestment is that's a surgical, right? Get out of these companies that are specifically involved in maintaining the apartheid state. Right. If you're going to build bulldozers, if you're going to make um, weapons, you know, you're not getting a dime from us. And the basic consumer already doesn't buy anything from Israel, but your university, your church, some organization you belong to probably is invested in these companies. And it's hard to get them away from it because they're like, well, it's a almost a sure deal that these stocks will go up. Because if you're in the weapons industry and you start a war, they, they can build. Yeah, I mean, you look at Raytheon's stock, you look at Halliburton's stock during the Iraq War, or any of these conflicts right after, right before Libya. Every missile is a million dollars for Raytheon if it's a Raytheon missile, right? That's uh, you know, it's like insider trading in a way. Like, well, I'll buy a bunch of weapons, from fuel companies, and then go start a fight, which creates demand for it, and get money, and the government's paying for ninety nine percent of it. You know, that's why they invest in these things. And it's hard to get them to divest. Even You can give them all the moral reasons in the world, but they think, yeah, but it's got good returns. <laughs> Money printer, go burr. Yeah, but, you know, the Presbyterian Church did divest $7 billion out of the Israeli companies. The Methodist Church did the same. That's the only two so far, but that's a pretty big dent. I wish we could get other churches to do it and i wish we could get more universities to do it did, did the baptists like at all like take action or are they like completely committed they are so so nut hugging on israel it's almost impossible to get them off of it ah, well i guess on the exception <laughs> well i mean there are baptists that are against it but the leadership is uh i would argue probably compromised because it doesn't it doesn't really jive with christian values to go ethnically cleanse people yeah um like I'm, i don't look too much into the sbc i just go to church and like i'm just theologically baptist i don't associate with the sbc because like i don't know like anything about them so <clears throat> a southern baptist <clears throat> yeah well you know it is a large group but it's you know even with the other divestments it took like 10 years to get it done yeah. so <laughs> you know it was a hard thing to do and there's a lot of Presbyterians in Scotland, not so many in the U.S. is a pretty small faction, but they did um, decide to do it. And the Methodists are really just sort of that Eastern seaboard. That they're a pretty small sect of Christianity. Actually, there are quite. A few, I, there's actually quite a few Methodist churches, at least Com like in my compared area. to the Baptists or something. I'm oh, saying. well, the Baptists are mostly like down south. Like if you go up north, it's pretty more diverse. It, there's like a mixture of Catholics, Baptists. Um, Methodist, Presbyterians. There's actually a Presbyterian church right by my old high school. Although most I never of the went north to is it. Catholic. The northeast is Catholic. But I would argue most of them are nothing. They just sort of like, oh, my parents are Catholic. I'm a Catholic. They go to church on Easter and Christmas, and they don't really read, study, nothing. They're just sort of entitled-only entitle Christians. <laughs> like, they have the minimal. Yeah. Yes, they believe in John 3.16, maybe, and heaven, hell, God's only son, blah, blah, done. They don't really, they're not really invested in the theology or philosophy. It's just sort of something they heard when they were a kid, never really thought of it. Go, yeah, that's how the universe is made, whatever. You know what I mean? It's sort of not thinking about it every day. They don't pray. 
they don't really practice the religion. If you ask them, like, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. These are my beliefs. I'm like, but do you act on those beliefs? Does that, like, affect your life? No? Okay, then uh, you're you're tacitly religious. <laughs> yeah. And that's most people anywhere. Yeah, like, come, you come to expect it, especially up north. Um, but I actually, because the pre- back to the Israel topic, the Presbyterians, like, they have, I think they believe that Israel is the church. Like, I'm not trying to misrepresent Presbyterians. If I am, like, please let me know. But I think that's, like, one theological view they have. Uh, I'm not Presbyterian. I can't speak for them. Yeah, like, I, I could be wrong. I hope I'm wrong. I don't but, think they believe that, though. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I don't think they believe the state of Israel is the church. I think just more so the land, because Jesus is going to judge uh, from there, you know, according to the theology. Well, you know, the different interpretations of Judaism is that the, the chosen ones were meant to chosen to spread the word of God, not chosen to be. God's not a real estate agent. Israel is the name given to Jacob after, at the end of the Jacob and Esau story where he lies to all his family members and steals things from everybody. They decided, oh, this this upstanding moral character that cheated on his wife with her sister and cheated his uh, employer out of his cattle or sheep and um, lied to his blind father to steal his older brother's birthright and all this nasty stuff that Jacob does becomes a fine. Then he gets in a wrestling match with an angel or something and hurts his hip. And I'm thinking if you look at all the signs, the founder that becomes Israel, which is the name of a bloodline, the Israelites, the 12 tribes of Israel, not a piece of dirt, um, literally what it says, he's a demon. Because first you have the twins being born and he's holding on to the heel of his brother, right? And heel grabbing was well-known phrase in Hebrew. Favored by the mother, not the father. And they think you mean Isaac? They're like, no, no, no. The father, the mother, capital F and M, favored by the mother. And then what human can wrestle an angel? No one, not even for a nanosecond. What could hold one to a stalemate at night? The only thing that can wrestle an angel is another angel or a demon. And considering all he does is deceive and lie... Uh, and cheat people through the whole story and then gets that power from the angel he's fighting with. And then he becomes the founder of a bloodline of people meant to multiply over the earth and to do it. And you read through the Torah what they think of all the other people. It's a bloodline of evil. Now, I don't believe that. But that is uh, odd that, that people take it to mean a piece of land when it literally says this is Jacob, who's now going to be called Israel, and he's going to be part of the Israelite bloodline, and that all these 12 tribes, you know, Dan and all of that, go through, come from him. And then they make the covenant and blah, blah, blah. And that's supposed to be chosen to spread the word of their God, not uh, to be given a chunk of land. Also, the King David... Uh, story where he supposedly kills a giant with a sling and all this jazz not in any historical records other than religion but uh, it was only a little fiefdom where Haifa is it was not Palestine or Israel uh, that you see on the map today and uh, so not even referring to that chunk of land even if you did you'd have one city 
that's it. Not even it's not Jerusalem either. It's not where they were. I actually do want to address one thing though. Um, I think that is the Israelites were commanded to stay away from the Gentiles due to um, unclean <clears throat> unclean practices. But if a Gentile wanted to convert, then you know you welcome them in. But um, what Jesus did was like, all right, now you are going to spread my word out to the Gentiles. We're no longer like going to be these ethno-nationalists. We're going to spread the yeah. word. Out. Jesus made uh, an an exclusive religion into an inclusive religion through his death, being Christ's savior, that anyone who believed in that uh, could enter heaven. And that's what Christians, followers of Christ, they took it away from this little ethno-nationalist group and made it available to everybody. Islam's the same thing. Islam is inclusive. As long as if you believe Muhammad is the prophet, there's only one God, Muhammad is the prophet, and the word of God is through him, you can be a Muslim. There's no ethnic component to it. But in Judaism, it, you have to be part of this bloodline with the exception of marriage conversions and whatever. Uh, so it was not available to all. And Jesus yeah, made exactly. it very clear. That's not what God wants. And that's not what he meant. This is for everybody. This is for all human creation. And this is exactly why uh, Paul wrote Romans was to basically say to uh, to Jewish supremacy, no, you you are not going to heaven just because of your ethnicity. You actually have you're actually subject to the laws of the Gentiles now. Yeah, to be fair too, there was always Jewish sects that also rejected the ethno-religious component. They said, no, this is a message. This is not a literally our bloodline's responsibility is not to kill, convert, and collect and conquest. But they never really won out. They always kind of were the annoying. But the Pharisees were Zionists. I mean, they're Jewish supremacists. Yeah. Not uncommon for a lot of tribes in that time period thought they were number one and <laughs> should civilize everyone else. Yeah. But And if you if you read uh, the passage on Jesus on marriage, the Pharisees tried to twist God's word, which I found hilarious because they were supposedly like the fundamentalists, like ethno-nationalists or whatever, but... You know that that was pretty funny. When they're always put, they were always getting owned. <laughs> yeah, that was so magical. John eight forty four. <laughs> <laughs> okay, the, the original uh, table flipper. But anyway, let's get well, back to APAC. That's enough with the yeah. biblical history stuff. I mean, you know, people ought to know either know it or don't believe it and don't care. So either way, don't need to go over it. <laughs> <laughs> so APAC. But that that ideology that APAC has of like God gave us this land and we're returning here from 3,000 years ago, ignoring the fact that Palestinians have also lived on that land continuously without having to leave and come back. They exclusively think this is Jewish land and a Jewish state and they want them kicked out. Yeah. So they're just uh, – they're basically the Pharisees reborn if you, uh, if you think about it a little bit. Or worse, yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't think what what they do, having their army shooting children in the balls and the knees and the eyes and blinding people and snipers taking trophy shots at kids and just going into a family and just bulldoze down the house and be like, you're not allowed to live here. You're the wrong race. Or just moving into someone's living room and saying, this is mine now. And all this furniture and everything you bought, that's mine. It's some Jewish guy from Brooklyn or something. Like, <laughs> I saw that. That was so funny. Well, that's one that was on tape, but that happened all the time. Yeah. I'm just going to take your house. Go somewhere else. God gave me this. No, he didn't. No, he didn't. 
UN gave it to you, and then Force gave it to you, America gave it to you. You took it. No one gave you shit. You took it from people who built it, lived in it, got all the furniture, electric work, everything, and you just stole it from them. I'm gonna enjoy editing this. <laughs> just well, just put just putting like bleeps and everything. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot of these. Oh gosh. They're monsters, man. They're fucking monsters. <laughs> like who does that? Like God. That's so arrogant. God gave me your living room. No, he didn't. I don't think. Show me that passage. <laughs> Where God gave yeah, me that Mo, Yeah, Moses wrote, and so you shall take the living rooms of, of the dirty Gentiles. Like, I don't think he wrote that. And you, Shlomo Bergstein from Brooklyn, shall move to Palestine and take over this woman's kitchen. Yeah, that happened. Yeah, that's but so that ha- they that's what they do. Diaspora coming from the United States and everywhere else and moving to settlements because they're free and just either destroying or overtaking someone's house. The, the, people will go out to work or school and come back and there's a wall built around their house, a cage. And guess who has the key? Not them. They're like, sorry, this is my house now. You're it's homeless. In Brooklyn. Go somewhere else. Yeah. We, Actually, gave it, fun- we gave it away to some people from Miami or whatever. <laughs> Actually, fun story. Um, one dude on the um, uh, hall below me is actually born in Egypt, but his family was Palestinian, but they were kicked out of their homes. Uh, so now, so like whenever I'm like yeah. on that hall to see like friends. Like Probably that's, from Gaza. I, th- I, I think he said West Bank. Don't quote me on that. I think he said that. But. Well. Um, you're listening to a conversation. Uh, it's going to get again to religion and more on APAC, the USS Liberty, and a little bit on the dancing Israelis. There's another half hour. So it's a little bit more than an hour actually long. And you can hear the whole thing on Substack. It's only $6 a month. There's a lot of other interviews up there that you can enjoy, including the first chapter of the audiobook for the separation of business and state. Do enjoy.